Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Dana Perino. I'm Juan Williams. I'm Kennedy. And this is the Fox News Rundown. Friday, July 1st, 2022. I'm Lisa Brady. The dust is still settling from a consequential string of rulings at the nation's highest court. It has been, I'd say, the busiest, most chaotic, frenetic um, Supreme Court term I've covered in 15 years. We speak with Fox's Shannon Bream. I'm Jessica Rosenthal. Talk of recession heats up as major aspects of the economy cool down. The president blames Russia as analysts look ahead to the third quarter, which begins today. I'm just worried that storm is going to enter, you know, different areas as, as demand drops. And if the recession lasts a while, deflation will come out of the inflation. And that, that's real bad news. And I'm Carol Markowitz. I've got the final word on the Fox News Rundown. The Supreme Court term that stirred so much debate and protest ends with a calm and historic ceremony. I, Ketanji Brown-Jackson, do solemnly swear, do solemnly swear, Justice Jackson becoming the first black woman to serve on the court, that I will administer justice without respect to persons, without respect to persons, and do equal right, and do equal right to the poor and to the rich, to the poor and to the rich. That oath administered by Justice Stephen Breyer as his retirement took effect. And it was just a few hours after the final rulings of the term, a split decision for President President Biden. The justices greenlighting his move to end President Trump's remain in Mexico policy for asylum seekers. But they also voted to rein in the power of the Environmental Protection Agency over greenhouse gas emissions at power plants, essentially saying the EPA went too far. West Virginia's Republican Attorney General Patrick Morrissey agrees. I think that when people start to scream that the uh, the earth is falling, they have to go back to the fact that for many years, These agencies have been running amok. They've tried to regulate in areas where they've lacked power to do so. But President Biden calls it another devastating decision that aims to take our country backwards, vowing action to counter it. And earlier, at the end of a NATO summit in Europe, he called the court destabilizing after the overturning of Roe versus Wade. We've been a leader in the world in terms of personal rights and privacy rights, and it is a mistake in my view, for the Supreme Court to do what it did. The president says he would support an exception to the Senate filibuster rule, aiming to make access to abortion federal law with a simple majority vote. But for now, that debate and others from recent rulings will continue. Gosh, this term, they were not afraid to go head on at very difficult issues. And I I feel like they're already signaling they're going to do that next term, too. We haven't recovered from this one just yet. Shannon Bream is Fox News chief legal correspondent, host of Fox News at Night and the Live in the Bream podcast. But when you have a term that goes to the merits of guns in the Second Amendment, abortion and Roe v. Wade, um, religious freedom, executive power, I mean, this has been 
One for the history books, I would say, not only on the topics covered, but the number of leaks and strange things that we had extraneous to the decisions themselves. It has been, I'd say, the busiest, most chaotic, frenetic um, Supreme Court term I've covered in 15 years. Now, the term ended with a win and a loss for the president. Let's take remain in Mexico first. He has a Mm -hmm. basically a green light now to end that Trump era policy that required many asylum seekers to stay south of the border while seeking asylum. There's already a surge underway at the border, though. What's the reasoning for this decision? Well, it all goes back to the executive power and the administrative uh, power that uh, various administrations have. I mean, we saw the fight over the DACA executive action that President Obama took. President Trump tried to get rid of it. That went to the Supreme Court. And the court was very clear that there have to be procedures that are followed. So when the Biden administration came in, they wanted to get rid of the Trump era remain in Mexico policy. They tried two different times. They were struck down by lower courts who said you didn't get it right. But ultimately, today, the Supreme Court said um, this administration followed the procedures that they had to and based on you know the contours of the statute and what it says about how many people you can detain or detaining people in general versus sending them away they found the Biden administration did enough to get this right and that means remain in Mexico goes away though I guess we should add the caveat that it technically goes back to lower courts for review right yes there is more litigation to go on but based on the guidance we got from the Supreme Court it appears that what the lower courts will have to do is essentially find the same end result that remain in Mexico goes away but you're right there is litigation to follow Hmm. the other final ruling seems to deal a, a blow to the president's climate agenda limiting the EPA's authority to regulate emissions at least when it comes to power plants How much does this tie the EPA's hands? It was a pretty bold statement that we got from the court. And essentially, they're looking at what's called a major question. So if an administrative agency uh, has regulations and they're setting up a new program, the court essentially found this one was way too sweeping for the EPA to do on its own. It said something of this import would either have to be done by Congress directly or Congress would have to specifically enumerate this exact task, these exact words to the EPA. And finding that that didn't happen in this case, they said the EPA had gone too far in this sweeping carbon emissions plan that they had. Uh, The dissent was written by Justice Kagan, joined by now retired Justice Breyer and Justice Sotomayor, and said essentially that the court, she argued, had put itself in the place of the decision makers, um, either an expert agency on this issue or of Congress, and she called it frightening. So clearly no agreement on that issue. Um, Two split decisions, one for and one against the administration. But I guess really to be continued on that front as well, because it basically suggests to Congress, hey, you know, you Mm -hmm. could do something to change this going forward. One of the interesting things about the biggest decisions is that they're not really the last word in all respects, even before the president's remarks about the filibuster rule in the Senate on Mm -hmm. abortion. Overturning Roe was leading to new or renewed fights at the state level, right? Right, exactly. And that's what I think some people who maybe aren't as enamored with covering the inner workings of the court as we are. I had a guy stop me on a plane last week saying like, oh, does this mean abortion's illegal? And I said, no, what this means is it goes back to the states exactly like you said. So we see these fights playing out now. A number of states had passed so-called trigger laws in both directions, some um, nearly outlawing all abortions, others saying abortion uh, without question up through the ninth month. So the restrictions are now immediately being challenged in state courts. And we've seen some of the judges put those state trigger laws on hold until they can have hearings, meaning that legal abortion 
abortions will continue in some of those states. And um, we've got others that are, you know, it'll take a little bit more time for them to get to the merits of these trigger laws. But that's what we'd expect is that now these battles turn back to the states. And that's where the court said, the majority at least, that this should have been handled all along, this particular issue. Interesting, too, that in some of those state cases, it's still a constitutional question, only now it's about the state constitution. Exactly. <laughs> were exactly. You, were you surprised by Justice Clarence Thomas's concurring opinion on the Roe decision? Because it seemed to say just what supporters of Roe had been warning, that overturning Roe could lead to eroding other privacy rights. Yeah, I think what's important is that not only did Justice Thomas sign on to the majority opinion, which says nothing in this opinion about abortion extends to any of those cases. He also, in his concurrence, said, I agree with that statement. Nothing in this decision about the Dobbs case, about Roe v. Wade, none of that can be extended to any of these other cases. Now, he has a real issue with substantive due process on which some of these other cases were decided about same-sex marriage and contraception. So he said, you know, at some point we may need to revisit those issues, but it was in the caveat that this case is not going to be the vehicle to provide any authority to do that. So I would not see any scenario in which that's going to happen, but I can understand why that language would um, make people worried about that potential scenario. With abortion and in the gun ruling that tossed out a concealed carry limit in New York, these decisions are, are galvanizing a push for legislation. New York's Governor Kathy Hochul wants a new rule that essentially says, you know, guns will only be allowed in businesses that hang a sign saying they're welcome. Um, does this create a path for these kinds of issues to get back to the Supreme Court? It's possible, but what the court essentially said in that case is, listen, states have a right to license and to permit and to handle um, you know, guns in the way that they see fit, but the criteria for deciding whether or not somebody can carry a gun has to be objective. Maybe you make it based on a background check or a certain number of hours of training. Whatever it is, states are free to do that, but they can't say, and then we'll decide which of these permits we think people should get based on a specialized showing of a need for self-defense or something else. Um, so listen, states are going to have plenty of power to regulate how they license and permit guns, but it's just going to have to be objective criteria. And if it's not, there will be more lawsuits. Some observers, especially critics of the court's new conservative majority, say they're ruling more broadly than necessary. And Chief Justice Roberts has even alluded to this issue. Why are the justices making that kind of leap instead of more tailored, narrow decisions? And does that add fuel to arguments that the new majority has a you know, radical agenda? Well, this is why the Chief Justice has really tried, I think, to wrangle the court to have decisions that are as narrow as possible. Um, he doesn't want the court to make broad sweeping decisions. You saw in the abortion case last week, um, he said that both the dissent and the majority had a, a relentless freedom from doubt that he could not share. And he said, essentially, we granted this abortion case to decide this question about the Mississippi law, which bans most abortions after 15 weeks. He said, you know, here's what I would do it. I would uphold that law. We don't need to go after Roe. That's not necessary for the rest of this decision. So he's always going to be a conservative in this in, in the true definition definition uh, you'd find in the dictionary of like wanting to have the most modest, narrow decision on any decision possible. But you've got at least five justices there who are swinging for the fences on some of these issues. And he's simply outvoted there. So the conservatives, I think, 
know that there will be criticism. I mean, these are people who have had protesters outside their homes for weeks, and they're pretty insulated from that kind of stuff. I mean, of course, they need security. But even Justice Alito, in writing that abortion decision, said, you know, it's not for us to decide what the public reaction is going to be to this. I mean, that's not how we do our job. Hmm. Religious liberty, another big theme this term. Have those rulings largely followed the court's path from recent years or shifted? Well, it's interesting because the case that we saw with the football coach who had the disagreement with the school district about him praying on the field after the games. I mean, this has been going on for seven years, the fight over that. And even at the court, the two sides didn't agree on what the facts were. Normally, by the time you get to the court, everything is fully briefed. Everybody agrees what the facts are. They just want the justices to apply the law. But the two sides didn't even agree on on that, on on whether this was about prayers with students or prayers by himself silently. Um, But ultimately, you know, the majority there said the Constitution doesn't say that public employers have to root out any possible expression of religious faith within the workplace or in context with that public position. So the court ultimately found that public employees should have a space for their personal religious um, beliefs to show up in the workplace. Do you think this is one of the areas where the court is signaling it's ready to take further action? Because you mentioned that they seem like they're hinting they're not going to like rein themselves in in, mm-hmm. in future terms. Yeah, if you can get five together and, you know, what we saw, for instance, in the Remain in Mexico case that allowed um, the Biden administration to get rid of that immigration policy. You saw Justice, the Chief Justice Roberts, and you saw Justice Kavanaugh align with the three so-called liberal justices on the court. So we've seen some really interesting makeup uh, vote matrices of of these um, various decisions. So they're not always in lockstep. But if the five um, that would be viewed as the most, quote unquote, conservative on the bench stick together, they will have a lot of power as a voting block. They are going to hear a case in the fall that has to deal with this fight over where religious liberty intersects with anti-discrimination policies for the LGBTQ plus community. Um, A web designer is challenging a law in Colorado that insists she has to make web designs for um, same-sex marriages or other issues that violate her faith as a Christian. So just by taking that case, I think the court is signaling they're ready to help answer that question better than they did back in the masterpiece cake case from a couple years back, if people remember the baker in Colorado who said that he would, you know, serve people and do cakes for anybody, but he wouldn't do them for specific ceremonies. In that case, he was asked to do a cake for a same-sex ceremony before marriage was actually, same-sex marriage was actually legal there in Colorado. So what the court did in that case um, was a partial victory for him, but it really didn't answer those underlying questions of if you're in the public stream of business can you say no to certain customers based on your religious beliefs? So that's a case we're definitely going to be watching for the fall. Shannon Bream, Fox News Chief Legal Correspondent. Thank you so much for your time. Great to be with you. Happy summer. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is Carol Markowitz with your Fox News commentary coming up. 
For all of the pain of inflation and increasing talk of layoffs, President Biden says inflation is worse in other countries, that a recession is not inevitable, and that what we're experiencing is Putin's price hike due to Russia's war in Ukraine. He said it again at the NATO summit in Madrid this week. But the bottom line is, ultimately, the reason why gas prices are up is because of Russia. Russia, Russia, Russia. And while energy prices did go up after Russia invaded Ukraine, just last week, Fed Chair Jerome Powell told a Senate committee inflation was high certainly before the war in Ukraine broke out. Not far from Madrid, Powell was at a European Central Bank forum in Portugal, where he said the goal is a soft landing without a sharp increase in unemployment. We think that there are pathways for us to achieve that, to achieve the path back to 2% inflation. Uh, while still retaining a, sustaining a strong labor market. We believe we can do that. That is our aim. Mm-hmm. There's no guarantee that we can do that. As talk of a recession increases among analysts, economists, and even you and me, Powell and the president's Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen, are banking on our savings accounts. Yellen told ABC's This Week recently. Uh, it's clear that most consumers, even uh, lower-income households, uh, continue to have buffer stocks of savings that um, will enable them to maintain spending. So she said she does not see a drop in spending causing a recession. On Wednesday, though, one U.S. Federal Reserve Bank predicted a second quarter of negative growth after a first quarter with confirmed negative growth. The Nasdaq was down nearly 30 percent this year, the Dow down just over 15 percent, as more companies talk about layoffs. And the Fed chair says he has narrower pathways to tame spiking inflation. We've had nothing but worries for for many, many months. Gary Kaltbaum is the president of Kaltbaum Capital Management. Uh, We just think there's too much of them and not enough of us. I've always believed it's us that drive the economy, not D.C., and unfortunately, they have taken over in ways unforeseen over the last two, three years, and you're seeing the comeuppance and the repercussions of when we go from we the people to we the Washington, D.C. The taxes are too high. The movement by central banks interfering with free markets and the free flow of money is too much. There is too much what I call illogical policy on the most important commodity in the world, and that's energy, uh, which forced prices up, which now has prices coming down uh, because of how the economy is now starting to suffer. So I I just worry that all their answers have been the opposite of, of what it should be. Talk to me a little bit more about what kind of policies you're talking about, because we pay attention, obviously, to the Fed when they raise rates, right? And they've raised it by quite a bit. Is that what you're referencing? Are you talking about additional Fed policy or even administration policy? It's both. Let's start with Jay Powell, who printed up to $9 trillion, took rates to 0%, which basically took every bit of income from savers away while bubbling up asset prices and creating a big housing bubble again. Why? Free money. To be able to get a mortgage at 3% and be able to write off the interest, it's pretty much free. And you've seen what happened with housing prices. But the repercussion is affordability. That's number one. And now the other side, interest rates going higher. So that one-two punch hurts the housing market. And then I think, and not talked about enough, the biggest mistake the president made was not exactly what he did, but what he said. 
Oil prices are based on the fear and greed of speculators, traders, and investors. And when the first thing he does is come out and shut down the Keystone Pipeline, even though it wasn't ready to go, but sending the message, hey, we are shutting this stuff down. Well, guess what those speculators, traders, investors do? They will tend to uh, buy up the price and you saw it in droves. And now the other part of the coin, since prices are so high, we now have an economic problems to the downside, which will help oil prices in the near term, but it does not help uh, that we're going into recession. At a European Central Bank forum this week, Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell said they, they want to tame inflation. They believe they can do so, but there's no guarantee they can do it without hurting the labor market. What does that mean? And how do Fed decisions hurt the labor market? Well, unfortunately, again, the central bank was not invented to control the economy, control markets, and and that's what they have tried to do. And successfully for a while, but unfortunately with the right, uh, with the wrong answers of printing money, 0% rates, and we had bubbles up the wazoo. You see what's happened with coins that have now popped, all kinds of speculative areas in the market that have now popped, uh, which is hurting. My simple worry about Jerome Powell has been onefold, and I have been whining, complaining since Christmas of 2018. Every answer to every problem is easier money. We predicted here inflation a year and a half, two years ago based on this, and we got the outcome that we thought. And I'm worried about they're going to crash what's already been somewhat of a crash uh, in asset prices. I wish they would just back away, but again, more wishful thinking because they think, they really do believe they can engineer a $20 trillion economy and there's just no chance they're going to be able to. And now the Atlanta Fed came out today and told us what we already knew uh, this quarter. They're now predicting a minus 1%, which would put us in the definition of recession. And next up will, will be the unemployment rate starting to head higher, and that's job losses, and that's the worst possible scenario. Gary, how, I mean, you run a, you run an asset management group, you talk to people, you manage people's money. Um, how are companies that, that you know, I, if you know CEOs, if you're talking to people who are decision makers at businesses, I mean, how are they, how are they dealing with all of this, this uncertainty, right? Is this, is this where we talk about layoffs, where we talk about companies like Netflix and Carvana and maybe even smaller oh, ones yeah. laying people off? And is that mostly in the tech sector as we're reading, or is that going to spread to, I guess, other companies, other sectors of the economy as we move through the year? As demand softens, it, it will spread uh, pretty much everywhere. Uh, it's the nature of the beast. When you get into a down cycle, it pretty much rolls uh, downhill. Uh, there's a one-two punch going on right now. Actually, one-two-three uh, that's going on where I have no idea how the Treasury Secretary, how uh, Mr. Powell come out and said everything's fine and the consumer is good. Anybody can just look at a chart of the savings rates plunging, uh, credit card usage skyrocketing, and we are in the midst of about $30 trillion of global wealth evaporating. Uh, Those three things uh, say a lot. And, And again, the worry is people that have been wrong, and they've admitted it at least, They've been wrong just about everything, are now telling us, don't worry, uh, the consumer's fine. And again, uh, I think the big vote is the stock market, and you're seeing what's happening there. It's not hard to figure out that that yeah. vote uh, has been heading south also. You you referenced that um, Treasury Secretary Yellen and um, Powell have both 
talked about Americans have solid savings accounts, and yet you also referenced that we're sort of going through those savings. Um, when we hear people like Treasury Secretary Yellen and Chairman Powell say, hey, you guys have a, a lot more in savings than you used to have, are they essentially telling us to use those savings, or are they just saying, look, the financial picture is not as bad as it could be? I, I actually don't know what they're thinking. And, and the worry is there is a clear lack of confidence in them now. There's a clear lack of credibility with them now. And that's not me talking, I already said it's the markets, uh, but I speak to uh, one of the big uh, head honchos of a major restaurant chain. His exact words were, I can't plan the future right now because I don't know what's coming down the pipe next. And that he's talking about pricing inflation or what's the next shoot a drop coming out of DC. So what are they doing? You're hearing this now on, on many fronts. Hiring uh, has stopped. Uh, Wall Street, I can tell you, I speak to recruiters and headhunters all the time. Uh, their pipes were full. They were doing tons of business and all of a sudden it stopped dead in its tracks. Why? Because on Wall Street, with markets down, there's less business. With uh, less business, there's less profits and th then less hiring. I'm just worried that storm is going to enter, you know, different areas as, as demand drops. And if the recession lasts a while, deflation will come out of the inflation. And that, that's real bad news. You, you referenced, Gary, the Atlanta Fed and how they're projecting a, a minus 1% in GDP for the second quarter. When, when will we find out if that's true? When will we actually know if we are for sure in a recession? And is that, is that really the metric, right? We've heard that I know that there are a couple of metrics by which we can say a recession is occurring, but it sounds like everybody is really pegging this or pegging the projection to um, two consecutive quarters of, of negative exactly. growth. Exactly. Well, the definition is two consecutive uh, uh, quarters, but I always talk about Ronald Reagan's line, a recession is when your neighbor loses his job, a depression is when you lose your job. And to me, that's going to be what I'm watching most at this juncture. If we start a trend of more and more layoffs, that trend leads to more and more layoffs as people stop buying, demand drops, and that just starts to feed on itself. And if you're just one little clothing store that's doing a certain amount of business right now with 10 employees and your business drops 20%, you're apt to go to eight employees. And that's when it starts feeding on itself. This is the process of the unwind that I don't know where it ends, but all I can tell you, the market continues to uh, act like uh, there's trouble afoot. Gary, finally, what what is the solution on a macro level and a micro level? And by that, I mean... If you disagree with the Fed and you don't like the, the policy that's been enacted, sort of what's the fix, even even if it's a longer term play? And what's your best advice to the average consumer right now? Let's say you do have some savings. Do you put it in property? Is, do you just watch inflation eat your savings away? Where do you put it? It's one of those moments where it's a very, very tough call in that there are so many moving parts. I always tell people, always err on the side of caution, no matter what situation is. I always tell people, have as much capital to your name, no matter what the situation is. You know, I always hear about the emergency fund, always have more than that. Uh, that is for starters. Uh, what is the solution? Uh, I, I wish we can just turn back the clock a couple of years. And, and of course, that's not a solution. 
Uh, but all this talk of higher taxes, all this talk about transitioning to green energy, when that's not going to happen for 20, 30 years because of affordability and uh, charging stations and the like, we as an economy cannot stand having oil prices in the hundreds for too long of a time. It's taking hundreds of billions of dollars out of the pockets of the consumer and business that is so vital to them. Airlines, the cost, you see what's happening with airlines. They have to keep raising prices because of what's happening with them. So I just wish they would wake up in D.C. and start talking about it's we the people. Let's lower taxes, less Mm -hmm. regulations, get out of their way, trust the economy to do great things. But no, let's put more rules and regulations on them. If they would just back away, that would go such a long way. Gary Kaltbaum, thank you so much for your time. I hope I helped. the news now you can with instant updates from fox news for amazon alexa just say alexa play news from fox in fox news it's the latest when you need it on demand from fox news and amazon alexa rate and review the fox news rundown on apple podcasts or wherever you listen it's time for your fox news commentary carol markowitz what's on your mind do women still exist According to the Democratic Party, the answer is no. During a recent event in Michigan, Governor Gretchen Whitmer referred to menstruating people instead of women. She's not the first Democrat to delete women from existence in this way. New York Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez used menstruating person last year. Also last year, the ACLU altered a Ruth Bader Ginsburg quote to erase mention of women, which was extra awkward as Ginsburg was the co-founder of the Women's Right Project at the ACLU. Person's right doesn't have quite the same ring. Even health agencies have been following this insane language usage off a cliff. In New York, Dr. Michelle Morse, the chief medical officer at the Department of Health, had to apologize when she used birthing people for white people, but mothers for people of color. The apology was because no one is a mother. Her PR team released a statement saying, we apologize for inadvertently gendering black and Puerto Rican birthing people. The Biden administration also replaced mother with birthing person in their maternal health guidance. Maternal, it's right there in the word. What an abject embarrassment. Whitmer's comment was particularly interesting because she was discussing abortion, traditionally a topic of women's rights for the left. But because they've wrapped themselves into a puzzle of their own wokeness, what used to be considered important for women no longer can be. Now we're reduced to menstruating people. It's not just that the left has decided to cater to an infinitesimally tiny minority. After all, how many people in a country of 330 million who are having babies are also uncomfortable with the word woman? A 2019 Guardian piece noted, according to figures compiled by Medicare for Australia, one of the few national surveys, 75 people who identified as male gave birth naturally or via C-section there in 2016 and 40 in 2017. Australia has 25 million people. Using their numbers, we would have fewer than a thousand people in any given year who might not be comfortable with the word woman to describe them as they give birth. The real problem is that Democrats are trying to rearrange our entire language, and that includes for our health agencies in order to conform to this. Men are not being similarly erased. We don't see sperm producers as a term used for men. It's only women who are being targeted for this deletion. The wokesters haven't thought this through. 
If there are no women, why would there be women's studies departments? Why would it be interesting or impressive that Kamala Harris is the first female vice president? Normal people have to resist this twisting of our language. Women are not a figment of our imagination. They cannot be altered to fit some new woke ideal. We are not birthing people or menstruating people or any other absurd term the left has decided to call us. We must fight this because we know it will not end here. This is Carol Markowitz, columnist at the New York Post and Fox News. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox.